0: Welcome back to the culture of safety. How's it going, Matt? I'm good, man. How are you? I am doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day. It's a little warm, but it's nice. Everything's starting to open back up and I'm able to eat, you know, Mexican food and get alcohol and I'm having a great time. Are you a brunch guy? I love brunch. Dude, that's one of the I don't do brunch
1: nearly enough. There's not enough people that I know that like brunch. I love brunch. And that's one of the things I miss the most since the coronavirus because all the brunch, like you could get to-go food. Oh, yeah. But it's not the same thing as going to a brunch, dude, where I'm just loading up plates one after the yeah, other. Yeah, bottomless mimosas, sign oh, me
0: up. Yes. So huh. at least thankfully, we're starting to get a little bit more, more open, at least here in California, which is kind of nice. You know, everything's starting to open up. I actually went to Six Flags last month. Um, So that was kind of fun The first day it opened up Yep, first day we went in there rode all, a bunch of roller coasters You would think that they would have Like had all the roller coasters ready But no, there was a bunch of them that were still broken down We're like, you guys had a whole year What happened? But yeah, it's uh, been pretty good How about yourself? How's everything over there at uh, Matland? Matland? Matland
1: Busy as always, you know? Oh yeah I'm actually starting a new endeavor That's somewhat safety related I'm trying to get my um black degree. Belt, my I'm doing my degree still, of course <laughs> But I'm also trying to get my black belt in um, Lean Six Sigma. At the Ooh,
0: same time. dang! Getting that black belt, I'm so
1: jealous. I wish I could do that. My company just asked me to do it, so I said I would do it.
0: Dang! So you didn't you didn't like ask them like, hey, I would love to do that. I mean, I've I've studied Lean. I mean, I'm, I'm probably saying I'm probably a green belt level, but I've I've studied it quite a bit. I have a couple of books, but I've never actually been like through the course where they kind of you know they kind of hold your hand a little bit better and you you learn a lot of like the tips and tricks. It's a lot of hours,
1: actually. It I is. think by the end to get my black belt, I'm gonna be like at 220 hours of instructor ton. time. And you actually have that's like in class, like that's yeah. not including your the projects. The that project you got to you do. do. Of class. Yeah. I was like, dang, this is a little bit more than I thought.
0: But yeah, Six Sigma is, is and Lean is super fun, and I I, I was always interested in the Kaizen and all those little fun terms. There's that you a learn. lot of terms that you have yeah. To learn. Um but that's actually something maybe we should bring up, you know, maybe here in the future when you start taking the class. Maybe you can kind of give us some insider information I'm in right now. I just finished white belt last week and I'm starting yellow belt this week. OK, good. Good. So that's awesome. I'm kind of jelly. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> I'm still trying to get my M shot for part 48. Hopefully everything opens up. I can start taking those classes. Good luck. I mean, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> it's actually super easy. It's just got to know the hazards of minds and stuff. So, um Today we're gonna to actually be talking about code switching. We have three three little mini topics. Again, we're we're transitioning from that entry level. We're giving you the tips to get on to the next level. So hopefully you guys have, you know, gone to school, maybe get an AA, maybe get some certifications under your belt. You have an experience, a couple of years, and you're like, okay, well, I feel like after after three or four years, I'm good with this level. I'm ready to go to the next level. So these are some tips on learning how to make that mind transition, right? That mindset change to where you're going to be able to hopefully make more money become that advisor level and of course again guys we're not going to sit here and tell you every single time that it's not just advisor there's a many different ways of of painting this picture but the mid-level position where you're going to have a lot more not just authority, but a lot more responsibilities. At this level, you're expected to be able to go into almost every, any situation and understand the, the different components that are going to be, you know, being played. So not only are you dealing with technicians, you're also dealing with management at the same time. So you're you're more responsible for the results. Um, so the first thing we will talk about is code switching. Next one we'll kind of get into is like reports, like how to write reports and how to present reports. Um, any type of reports, you know, PowerPoints even are included in that. And, you know, auditing trends. So looking at data, data analysis and identifying trends and learning how to implement, you know, action items in the field to hopefully, you know, make meaningful change in the field. Obviously, these are what I call resume builders, you know, being able to do these items, you can put them into your resume. And obviously, when you go for that next position or you're trying to get that promotion, you're like, hey, look, I have this ability now. I've practiced it a while. I've gotten really good at it. Um, I feel like this would be a good could transition for me to get into that, that higher level, get more money, maybe buy a Ferrari. I'm not sure. Well, you know, Dang. whatever Gulfstream mid-level six, I don't know. a Ferrari. I'm, I'm you I'm know, I just feel like that's something company. that should be done. You know, I feel like all my safety advisors out there, the mid level should be able to afford a Gulfstream six, at least maybe not a Ferrari, but maybe a Gulfstream six. Just saying, you know, that's my opinion. And I'm, I'm more than welcome to it. Right. <laughs> you can have all the opinions you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's start with code switching. I know that's uh, it's probably a very unfamiliar term. I'm sure you know as I as I talk about this right now, people are going to be like, "What in the world is that?" I had to Google it. Um, it's actually a term. So my sister, she's in education. It's very big in education. It's just the ability to to I'm going to say speak different languages, but that's not not necessarily not completely accurate. And by language, we just mean you know not English versus Spanish I mean that is one the one way to code switch but being able to speak to different people from different places and backgrounds and what I mean by that is is as an advisor you're going to be dealing with management you may even deal with c-suite executives at this at this level right or you're going to be dealing with supervisors managers you're going to be dealing with operations there's a lot more more components rather than just that entry level and being able to speak their language and speak the change your vernacular if you will that is what code switching is. So being able to one minute talk to an entry level, you know, ground level um, field person versus then going to your manager and speaking to him in a, in a different vernacular. It's, it's a very, very important skill and something that I would I have seen over the many years uh, lacking in a lot of professionals. A lot of people struggle with, OK, I can talk to field guys but when it comes to management. They're stumbling over words. They don't understand what certain words mean. Their vocabulary isn't very strong. So when, you know, obviously the higher level you up, the higher voc- vocabulary you need to use. And obviously even even just with in safety, sometimes we can't speak safety to ops people, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you you know that And most people in that level at that, that mid-level range know, hey, I can't always speak safety to my ops people or my HR or whoever outside of safety that you're dealing with. Sometimes you have to speak their language and meet their goals, their expectations. So it's learning how to communicate a little bit better.
1: Yeah, so I didn't know the term code switching. Yeah, I'm sure you've done it for
0: many years, But yeah, it's something that
1: for sure has been done for many years. Honestly, after I thought about it for a while, like I don't have, right? I didn't come into safety with a ton of education. I didn't come in with a bunch of experience. But I think the thing that allowed me to grow pretty quickly and successfully in my career so far has been that. Has been being able to like uh know when to to change like uh, how to adapt and yeah, be relatable to the, to the different the change, levels yeah because i've seen i've seen people come straight out of college and then they go right to the field and they're talking to them at a at a really high college level and then th- that just mm-hmm. doesn't work right some yeah. people see that as disrespectful some people don't understand what you're saying but then the opposite goes too i've seen field guys come up and then they try to go to that next level and they're going into the <laughs> yeah, yeah, you meetings, have a and potty mouth in and front of the manager talking like a field person yeah. right that's the opposite that's still not good so yeah. you need to be able to do this code switching and, and when i was reading about it online it's not it's language for sure is a big part of it but it's not just language it's not just language it's not yeah. just ver- verbal or audible language it's also your body language mm-hmm. uh like the way that you present yourself in front of management needs to be different from the way that the way you present, you present yourself, yourself in the field maybe not necessarily different but it probably will be a little different than the way you present yourself in the field yeah
0: well yeah 100 percent. the way that you approach it is going to be different too because you're, well, hopefully you would expect that your managers would have some type of elevated position. Not always. I mean, you may be talking to a field manager and he has that field mentality. I mean, you and I both know individuals like that. We could probably point out in our past career, like, oh yeah, this guy was, you know, a project manager. But he was still, he still had that mentality of like a field worker. He used coarse language. And, you know, that's that's just how you would you would approach him. You would talk to him in his language. And it's not always, again, you have to learn the individual sometimes when you talk when you're talking to them you get that feel like okay is this person highly educated do they speak with that that high you know inflection and they talk with the the seven dollar words if you will or are they like hey man what's going on you know what's up hey yeah go get that work done i'm not gonna drop a bunch of f-bombs just because obviously this is a radio show but you can insert like four f-words in that one sentence you know oh yeah do this and f that and oh yeah we do this Sometimes that's that's their normal, depending on where you work. Not always, right? If we're going out to like construction versus going out to like a hospital, it just depends on yeah, where, like where you I guys work, work, work. Now the people, of the field are like the the
1: what? They're not field people. What do you right, call? Right, like, yeah,
0: right. They're not field, but they're they're like they're the, entry, the, not entry the uh, level, line worker
1: or yeah, the entry yeah level line employee. workers. Like I would never cuss. In the oil fields, like, that was that was normal. normal. yeah. Where I work now, the line workers, you wouldn't cuss in front of them. But you still talk to them in, like, a... A different way than you would talk to with management. You could just be more casual. Because they, yes. I think, like, not only is it... It just makes you more relatable to them when you speak more casually to them. And I think it makes them feel more comfortable and open with you. Yes. For the most part, uh, when you
0: talk to them like that. You're showing... I always tell people, it's like you're showing respect for their craft. And I, I want to say craft because... in in my opinion, everybody's a craft person, whatever that you do, that is your craft. If you're a welder, if you're a swamper, if you, you're a phlebotomist, whatever it is, that's your job. That's your craft. That's what, you know, hopefully I know some people that would probably argue against this, but hopefully that's the thing that you're passionate about, right? I'm really passionate about doing whatever it is that I'm doing. Well, people, I generally don't think people come to work to do a a bad job. Every once in a while, you run into those people, but they don't really last line within your companies, but whatever it is that they're doing, you have to talk to them at their level. You know, you don't want to treat them like, like you said, it's, it could be deemed as disrespect. If you come in, you know, talking on these big words and I've seen people that you're, you know, our managers and you know, they're not at that level yet. And then they work with people that are C-suite executives that I've, I've, I'll be honest with you, use that against people. They know that they lack education. So they'll start using all these really big words and they're like, I don't know what that means, and so you know they're sitting there trying to Google w- whatever word that they used, and they're like, "What? What is? What is that? Would you say? Yeah, it's a very common word, but you know you you got to identify your audience. You know, I used to say that in college a lot. Identify your audience first. Who are we talking to? Are we talking to? I always say, I hate saying that. Now that you brought that up, I'm gonna hate saying that all that? day. Field level.
1: Yeah, field level is something really common in in oil and gas where, where I, mean, I came from. not just that, from. but
0: construction and and you know on the floor but there's We're no about field production. where i work now i work in healthcare now and so
1: there's no field so it's like entry level or or i think a lot of times they're called just like line workers yeah line Even workers. There's ops. No line
0: yeah ops <laughs> i mean yeah just the the everyday joe the person
1: that's doing the, the the work doing the
0: basic work so yeah i would say that that's a big that's a big important skill to have like you i think you pointed out perfectly is just as we're moving up, you know, as you see a supervisor moving up, they have that difficulty, you know, leaving that vocabulary behind. Yeah. And and in code switching, they're used to talking with their people and they do really well when they're, you know, amongst their peers. But when they step out of that position, they have to be a supervisor now, just like safety professionals. Okay, well, now I have to speak to managers and you you see people struggle with that like oh this guy is ignorant and he doesn't have a good vocabulary and and i've seen it hold people back i've yeah. seen it hold a lot of people back just be like well I, he's obviously not a very good presenter and i could almost guarantee if you pay attention to
1: what's going on in your whatever company you're in right now yeah. if you have people that are like high performers or that you know are moving up or through the company really quickly i guarantee you the one of the biggest the one of the biggest traits they have is going to be being able to do this really well. Yeah, being able to code, code switch switching. really well. A hundred percent. Just look at who is who is it that's moving up, or Who just became a supervisor and is killing it? I guarantee you that person's able to do this well, or they wouldn't be killing it right now. Right, a hundred percent. You know, talk to them, ask them like tips on how to to do that. That's what I was gonna ask you is like. I feel like some people, it probably comes a little bit more naturally, maybe. I'm not sure, but well, like, how yeah. do you get better at it, really, besides failing and trying again?
0: Um, I mean, honestly, it's just learn to relate to people, uh, understand context, underst- understand maybe... I hate to say this word just because of the, the climate that we're in, but understand race. You know, the way that I approach my, my coworkers of Hispanic descent... I have a completely different conversation than people of white descent and um, uh, African American descent and Asian. I understand the people that I work with, you know, and and sometimes it, it's it's ironic because sometimes me and one coworker all make a generalized, you know, pop cultural reference that I think that most people would know, and it just falls on deaf ears, and people just look at me like, "Huh?" And then the one coworker. Who who relates to that that you know pop culture? He's like, oh, Joe, that was funny, and everybody's just standing around looking around like, huh? And so it's in you, know, especially working in a, into a, a diversified culture where you have so many people from th- many different backgrounds. It can be very difficult to be able to relate to people. So what I always tell people is learn learn their culture learn about them specifically I think another big one to add to yours is is also
1: age like that's yeah, one thing 100% that I'm looking for. age can be way different when you're talking to a 19 year old versus when you're talking to a 60 year old there's usually going to be some differences in the that's way that where, you approach That's the where that's where I struggle
0: quite a bit is is identifying and relating to people like in above their 60s 55 and above it's really difficult especially when they're in like a, a management position mm mm-hmm. mhm Usually, like on the lower position i I can relate with the, those types of workers very well, but when they're in their management position their their mindset is i I'm, I'm gonna say outdated I'm, i I would really no, I, wonder, I, no wonder old people don't like you you just called them outdated yeah well the, the you got to understand is that they come from a different generation with a different set of uh, ideologies you know, and that's I think that's where we're you know as a culture right now that's where we're fighting everything. We have the old people, not old people, but the the older generation <laughs> who grew up. A certain way. I mean, that's what you saw. I mean, a little bit of history, guys. I know this is a safety topic, but it's, it, it does make it does make perfect sense when you think about it. And if you read, you know, Simon's next book, it, he talks all about it. the The Greatest Generation, right? Our grandparents, the people that fought in World War One, or were born in World War One and fought in World War Two, they came back and they had a completely different generation, right? These people sacrificed. Everything And you know People don't realize What it is like It is now Because we're Even though we've been In war for more than 20 years There was sacrifice You know You you heard of a victory garden That's because there was Nobody to produce Fresh fruits and vegetables And all this other stuff People sacrificed Everything To To win the war To get their boys home You know The whole You know Win one for the Gipper All that stuff Winning World War II Was the biggest one Let's beat Hitler When we came back We had an Overabundance Right, and that's when the next generation was born—the baby boomers. Right, the baby boomers that would be, you know, precise, mostly mostly our parents. Right, they're the ones that kind of were spoiled by that, and that's when you see the hippie revolution and oh, we don't want war and Vietnam and their culture. They have their own ideology and what they value was way different from their parents. And now we come with a third generation slash fourth, you know, Gen Y, and no, not Gen Y but Gen, you know, Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. Mm-hmm there's a big, huge clash just between us three and the baby boomer generation, because the baby boomers have been doing their thing for 30, 40 years. They're set in their ways. This is the way we're doing things. Mm-hmm. This is the way it's tried and true. We're not changing things. And then we're like, we have great ideas. We want to change things to make them better. They're like, no. And that's where you see in that big, huge clash is that they have a set, a mindset from their, from their experiences and their growth through the year, uh, through their years versus the, what we see. And obviously, you know, we're more like, Hey, let's fix things. Let's tra- let's change the, the status quo. Right. If if you want to go with that. So that's where you're seeing that that's where I found my difficulties is not just relating with them. I, I understand their history and stuff like that, but I mean, it's, it's different. I've never experienced that. So it's hard for me to relate to those individuals and, and code switch into that, into that realm to where I'm effective. So, you know, that's one of my, my weaknesses, but that's, something that's really important. I know people have, you know, different experience, but try to put yourself in their shoes, try to understand their culture, their history. Um, of course, talking with people, that's always the best way. Just learn about them. Hey, what do you like? Oh, and then find little things that you that you can relate on. Oh, you know what? I like that too. You know, we've talked about on the show about, you know, tamales, you know, during the during the wintertime. That's, that's a big thing for a lot of people. That's, that's a good way to get in. I always tell people food. That's my trick is food. Let's talk about food. Why? Because everybody loves food. A lot of people love food. Everybody loves food and everybody has like their one, two, ten staples that they like. Let's learn about that. Use that as your kind of like your foot in the door. What do you like? Oh, man, I like, you know, tacos. Okay, what kind of tacos? Street tacos. Man, those things are bomb or whatever it is, right? There's a lot of different ways that you can get in. But I always tell people, use food. If you like food, I'm a foodie. Let's talk food. One of my one of my good coworkers, well, not my coworker that I work with, but one of the people that we work with in, within the medical field. She's she's Indian, and me and her her every time I go and talk to her, we always talk about food and what's the best next place and this this and this and that's a, a great way to kind of introduce yourself to somebody new. Well, okay, what do you what do you like to eat? Oh, I like this place and I like that. Oh, me too. That's awesome. It's the easiest way because everybody has that one memory, like, oh man, remember when we had that one Christmas where we we had this like pizza from this one place? You know what I mean? Everybody's got that like one or two stories, probably a handful of stories of like events where food was the was the staple, right? That's what I use. I kind of cheat. I use I use food. Yeah, that's a good example. I was
1: just thinking while you were talking, (laughs) Um, because one of the issues that I've always kind of dealt with, and and I think you were kind of saying the same thing, is that. Relating to the a generation older than you, right? Yeah, and I think one thing that I've realized over the last few years that I just I didn't realize before, is it's probably gonna sound really stupid not you dare
0: say millennials. No,
1: well you you pretty much I was gonna say earlier that everything you said is exactly what a millennial would say, but you know what? But anyways, that's a different thing. What I was trying to say is that this is gonna sound really dumb, right? But shocker, but old people, older, wow, old older, people, people older than you, uh a lot of them are, they have the same hobbies as you. Like I, this is going to sound like how I'm, I'm trying to explain. This is weird, but like, it's real, I, just, there. I never understood. Like I could, I didn't think I could talk about like what I do outside of work with older people. Uh-huh. Cause I just felt like they wouldn't understand. But the more I work with them, the more, a lot of them are into the same things that I'm into. And they might be 25 years older that, than me. That
0: might be kind of a, a, a bad sign there, bud. Well, I mean, <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's like, what do you like to do? Oh, I like to, you know, whittle away in front of the fireplace and smoke my cigar.
1: I don't know who talks like that, but I mean, smoking cigars. Yeah, yeah no, smoking I mean, I don't really sound, smoke cigars, but, right now. but like uh, golf, cars, food, like all the things that like I'm into, like, I don't know. I just always had a trouble relating with uh, the the generation older than me until recently. I started realizing that a lot of them are still into a lot of the same things. Lot, yeah,
0: in. they just just a lot older.
1: I just felt like, oh, no, they're older. They wouldn't like they think I'm just a kid for liking any of this stuff. Even right. though th-
0: That's really not what it's like. Well, then sometimes that, that can be a perception. And, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to develop that within myself that I don't, even though I'm in my mid thirties now, I don't really look at the younger generation and go, oh, well, you're just young and naive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I know that, especially when it comes to the early twenties, you know, we, we kind of look back and I'm like, dang, I was, I was lost and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, I don't, I don't treat them any different than I would anybody else. Right. Just like you wouldn't treat the older. Like, oh, you're old. Oh, you're starting to get senile. You know, maybe you should retire. Wow. You know, we don't we don't treat them any different. You treat them with, with respect like they're any other worker, mm-hmm. you know. And and again, relating to those individuals, that's important. Being able again, being able to code switch, understand the context of the situation and who you're dealing with. Sometimes can be very difficult. Some, again, like I said, sometimes you'll crack a funny joke. You know, you'll talk about like Inkerman, or you'll talk about mix um, you know, famous movie quotes. And if they didn't have that background, they'd be like, "Huh, I don't, I don't know." Like, I'm sure if if we said a bunch of Saved by the Bell quotes, people would be like, "Huh, Saved by the Bell, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, I can say a bunch of like older ones, like Mash. I mean, if we have any older uh listeners, I'm sure we do. Mash, you know, I, I could tell you a bunch of ones there, and then people are like, "Huh," even people of my age, are like, "What is that, Mash? You never heard of Mash?" Oh, it's a great show. So it's just sometimes even t v that's a that's another good one hey what do you watch do you watch this do you watch that just learn to be able to to speak with the right tone with the right phrasing with the right vernacular that's the best word I can come back mm-hmm. with is speak with those people at their level understand their their cultural differences understand who they are that way you can kind of relate to them a little bit better and they'll the message will get across understand you're, you're a receiver i should i guess you know if we talk about it in a school school context way understand who your audience is who's your receiver what is their background what is it that they know what experiences have they had so when you do send a message across it gets across correctly Mm -hmm. that's the best way i can i could teach teach that awesome that was a good uh code switching tutorial well i tried it's it can be it can be very difficult at times but again i think it's it's important to have it's an important skill to have, especially when you get into the higher, higher level, right? I mean, we're talking about just just safety advisor, mid-level. Once you become a manager, all bets are out the window. I've seen a couple of managers struggle in front of C-suite executives, and there's like you know, your competency is is starting to be questioned at this point. Mm-hmm. So it's really important for you to learn the skill, especially when you get to the higher level, because that's where it's gonna pay its dividends, right? Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna ask you this question: Have you ever had like a a manager, like a field level manager, or maybe even a supervisor, come in to like a high level meeting and they just start blowing away f cuss words and one hundred percent? I've had that. That's exactly that what, what I started like, thinking of when you were talking about it. You know, that's, that's what I was kind of chuckling when I was thinking of one specific incident where we had um a field in person. and we had it was an incident, of course. They come in and we have. You know, the, actually the CEO of the company And we have all the C-suite executives And the, like the the couple of the higher level managers um, And he, This guy just starts laying into it Oh, F this and F that And yeah, it's this guy, he's a dumbass And I was like I was like, hey, can you guys give me a minute? And then I kind of like, hey, let's talk real quick. And it's like, hey, stop the F-bombs and stop saying this, stop saying that. Because, like, dude, you see the look in the the owner's eyes? That is not the kind of language he's used to hearing. And, yeah, you're not going to keep your job very much longer if you keep doing this.
1: I I was just thinking of one where the guy came in and he was trying to, like, be funny. And he was telling some really dirty jokes in front of, like, executives that he never even met before. And I was just like, yeah, this guy's not coming back to any of these meetings.
0: Yeah. Or one of my other favorites, and this is completely off topic, but we were on vacation. And my uncle was he, so he's uh, he was a captain in the navy, very high up, and he actually worked for the Pentagon. We go to this military base, and it was a, a marine base. We walk, we well, we didn't walk in, but we were talking with the um, the MP, the the guard mm-hmm. at the gate, and we said, "Hey, you know, we're so and so. We're gonna head over to the the XP, the exchange, try to get it's like a store." Um, you know, where's the location? And he starts literally going, F this, F that. I mean, Marine talk, you know, you're going to take out this and you're going to take out that and all this other stuff. And then he's like, hey, can I see your credentials? And my uncle, they, he hands him his military ID and he goes, oops, whoops, whoops. I just talked to a captain in and that, in that he, he knew he had screwed up. But my uncle was cool. He's like, we were on vacation and all this other stuff. He was just trying to get he had he had actually sent some of his stuff. Um, by mail to that location so we can come pick it up. That's all it was for. But it was just the look on the, the Marine's face. I was fairly young at the time. He's like, ooh, I'm in big trouble. I can get an article for that. Anyway, so back to our story. Big one, big, big, big one. Again, these are big tips today. Oh. Reports, right? Reporting. Actually, it kind of steps on, you know, the the previous topic, right? Code switching. Being able to take what you see in the field and being able to relate and inform your manager, management of what's really going on in the field, right? Sometimes it's audits, sometimes you have to, you know, you have an incident, right? We had, you know, some guy pull out in front and we have to talk about what's going on. Hey, Joe, explain this situation to me. Well, we had an employee, he was, you know, um, we thought that he was under, um, in, under the influence. We went out there and we checked it out. This is what's going on, right? Being, sometimes being able to code switch to that level and be able to send out correspondence, right? Even like emails. That's really important be able to properly build those reports up, being very detailed. One of the biggest things that I've learned over the many years is people ask questions, then your report's not complete. That makes sense? 100%. When you when you said reports to me as one of the topics today
1: uh, and we were kind of talking about it, that's immediately what I thought of is like I'm sending out an incident report to like a high level person from the customer. Right. And how do you make sure that you're sending out a report that's going to be understood correctly or like the audience is. Right, right. The audience is correct and they're going
0: to understand and not going to take it out of
1: context. And that's what I tell my guys all the time when they're writing reports is like if I have to if I have a question when I'm reading it or I'm questioning what, what I'm reading then you didn't do a good enough job of explaining what was happening or thinking about what the questions are that might come up. Yes. Like as you're writing the report, you need to constantly be asking yourself, what
0: might somebody ask me when they read? What did I include? And how would this be perceived by the other end? I, I always tell people, and I give this advice is remember when you were out in the field, right? I mean, obviously if you've had this experience, maybe not everybody has, but when you're out in the field and you're asked to do a JSA, Right. Yeah, I would always pride myself like, yeah, no one ever asked me questions it's like, dude, how do you know that? Because I cover every single thing, every single aspect that I'm thinking that they're going to ask me about. I make sure I cover it. Oh, this that's here and this is here. And I try I try to check every single box. I am exhaustive in not just my reporting, but obviously in my JSAs and that translated into my reports. I'm exhaustive. I try to cover every single aspect. I try to think of it outside of that, of my, you know, my narrow peripheral. I, oh you know, we talk about broadening your horizon Seeing it in a wide context, what would somebody coming in, what would their concerns be, what would their focus be, and how do I address them, obviously, appropriately? You want to be as fully detailed as possible.
1: Well, I think there's two, I'm thinking of two different things here. One, if you're sending out one of the big things for us, right, that, that seemed to get us in trouble sometimes, depending on who sent it out, was like an initial report, like something notifying people of what happened. And that sometimes, is the one that can get you in trouble because you need to make sure it's written in a very precise way. Yes. That is not gonna leave any opportunity for uh like misconstruing what is written. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. And that is one of the harder things to do in an initial report because you don't always have all the facts.
0: A hundred is the hardest part, especially on an initial report, because you're you're trying to give them something, but not enough to where they're like, "Oh, we need to overreact on this."
1: And you don't want to lock yourself into something that might not even be true because you haven't uh. figured it out yet you're Those still are trying are the to figure worst. it
0: out. They're like, okay, well, this is what we were told. We're going to push it out as this. And we're like, but we don't have all the evidence. But yeah, but we need to push one out. We're like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. And then it turns out to be something completely different. And you just like, then you you stupid. go stupid.
1: Yeah, then when you go back to explain that, the customer's like, well, what do you mean? You said this in the initial report. I'm like, yeah, but like, that's not.
0: Yeah, but there's like a requirement what, for us to sell, tell you guys. Mm-hmm. We have to tell you something. We're not going to just ignore you. We're like, hey, this is what we got so far. Let us our investigation and we'll find out exactly what happened so i try to i would try to teach my guys that when they're writing reports like that is
1: that to make sure that uh you try to answer as many questions as possible without pigeonholing your investigation
0: a hundred percent like
1: try to make sure that you're not trapping yourself in a corner but give them as give them something of substance
0: but don't give them the whole dinner
1: just give them the facts that you know right now yeah like if you know the size of this object that was in the incident give them that yeah i feel like the more, the, the more of those kind of facts that you can get them that you know, aren't going to change the more like they're going to be like, okay, they're actually looking into this or it'll just give them more of a feeling that it's, it's, it's being, being handled. Yeah. yeah. If you say yeah, that, that truck ran into that pole.
0: Ooh, okay. And there was some yeah. bad, and there was some damage. Okay, first of all, that that, that was a terrible code switch right there. The, s- the
1: truck crashed into the pole. I've seen incident reports no, come not, out like that.
0: I am not doubting you because I know exactly so we talked about that, I know many episodes ago about the word like crash yeah. and pull. And truck, you're like, oh wow, that just that was like a whole cringe. Like, oh oh, that's not good. What do you mean the truck crashed into a pole? Or when he oh, says, it uh, gently, uh, employee to. suffered
1: injury to right arm when welding.
0: That was the hard. That was the hardest. What does thing. that mean? <laughs> that was the hardest thing for me because when I write as an EMT, that's what we write. We write as facts objectively. Yeah. This cut that. This crashed into this. This did this. And then when I started writing reports, that was my hardest thing because I'm used to that EMT side where I'm like just tell that as it is. But we know, especially when you're talking to customers, you kind of have to kind of soften things a little bit. Because again, when you say the word crash, when you say the word crushed or smashed or hit, they're going to, there's a lot of, lot of, um, um, a lot of weight to those words. And people are like, you know, they, they think like, what do you mean that crashed into something? They think in like, you know, a, a car is like completely totaled and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So using those words, in your reports can be very dangerous. One of the things that I've learned over the years, and I know I know you're gonna laugh at this, but have you ever heard of the the term rubber duck debugging? No. I know that's another term. So we got code switch today and rubber duck debugging. This is not a real term. It's a real term, and I didn't I purposely didn't tell you this, so you can I can make you look dumb because that's like a power struggle for me. <laughs> but as you look it up, rubber duck debugging is whenever like IT people have troubles. With their code. There are, they're, they're supposed to put a little rubber duck. If you ever see like an IT guy and he's got a rubber duck on his desk, you can kind of make a laugh and make a joke about it. But what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to read whatever your whatever your issues are, read it to the duck. For some reason, your brain, when you hear the words out loud, you can find the problems with those. And I do that a lot when I when I send like high-level emails. I read it out loud because sometimes I'll put two the's. I'll put the the. I'm like, mm-hmm. really? But um, rubber duck debugging is really good. You just read out what you're gonna send before you send it. Read it out loud and hear what the words that you use. It'll give you a good context. Does this sound like something I would send out? Maybe not, okay, well, maybe we need to revise it. Yeah. obviously, maybe get with another advisor, get with a manager, get with somebody that can help you assist you with with um you know editing this this um report that you need to send out. I've done that that was one of my my weaknesses again was making that transition and i would always talk to my manager hey i need you to help me out with this why well you know as an emt the way that i write is very objective so when i say it crashed it crashed it did you know there no one's gonna sit there it made contact it made contact (laughs) you know that was that was the struggle for me is oh it made contact and I still well it depends on the situation but yeah well i mean, i would still say contact even if it was totaled even if it was going 100 miles an hour and he contacted a pole i've heard customers
1: uh, that that don't they'll get frustrated if like you downplay it too much yeah then they'd be like no like you need to make sure that whatever happened if they made contact like they made contact yeah it, it was they like a bump and they crashed into each other don't say they made contact <laughs> like they're gonna
0: get mad at, at you like really like dude that thing's caught on fire i'm like i know but it just made contact they contacted each other I mean, right?
1: technically they did contact You're right they
0: other. did so i mean at a high rate of speed yeah high rate of speed <laughs> Both of those words are accurate, crashed, made contact. It's just, again, the, the, the weight the of those words. the behind them. Contacts, yeah. if, if you will. So that's, that's the second tip for you guys is learning about rubber duck uh, debugging and stuff like that. And it's, really, it's a really good tip. You know, again, when you're writing reports, identify. Identify who you're talking to. Um, when you're writing a report for your, ent- your, your field level, I'm going to use field level because everybody understands what we're talking about. We're talking about talking to field level people. I'm sure you talked about this before, especially when we talked about like BBSM and SOPs. Don't use big words. Don't use these words that are going to fly over their heads. Say, hey guys, this is what's going on. Sometimes you have to put it in plain text for them, right? Versus when you're sending it to management, understand like, hey, I need to use more appropriate words, more, you know, maybe $5 words to express what I'm talking about. Understand who who the receiver is of your message. And then obviously tailor it to that, but always be inclusive. Always make sure that you have every single detail in there that you need.
1: The facts though.
0: Sometimes, and I'll, I'll give you this. Sometimes you need to be careful on the opposite side. As you become an advisor, you be more wary of what you tell people. Yes. Some people don't need to know all the details. You don't need Some, to know
1: all the facts sometimes.
0: No, sometimes you can over communicate yep. and that causes panic. And I've seen that, and I deal with that not fairly often, but every once in a while where somebody communicates something and it's taken the wrong way. well, what do you mean? they said this well whoa, whoa whoa, whoa, calm down, this was said it in this context, or you know what do you mean this is this is what's happening? I thought this was something else. you know people tend to overreact if you give them not the wrong information, but you you over communicate what does the project manager need to know? Mm-hmm. what do the employees need to know? do they need to know every single fact, or do these kind of Basic summary, yep. right? One of the things I, you know, I struggle to with too, of course, is communication with over communicating. I would tell people certain things that are like, "Oh my God, we need to go and this is on, on the, you know, everything's on fire." Well, no, 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 calm down. Just the way that you paint it can cause that. If you just give them the appropriate information, the amount of information that they need, that will help guide them to what they need to do.
1: So here's how I explain it: is there's objective and subjective, right? Of course, your report needs to be.
0: A healthy, All obje- A healthy blend of both. It
1: needs to be objective, right? Yes. Because what you don't want is if there was a vehicle accident, you want, you don't want to put in something subjective like an uh, employee was not uh, distracted prior to the accident ha- happening, right? Do you mm-hmm. really know that that happened? Is that an objective right. fact? Or is that subjective because you're guessing that's what happened so far? So make sure you're objective. And then you want to be objective enough to prevent the reader from e- being
0: able to be subjective. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. Too. You don't want them to read into anything. You kind of want to just press. It's Everybody that went to high school, how many times did they tell you to read a stupid book and then you had to infer what the artist was thinking? Well, this is actually, you know, a parable about this. I'm like, no, no, it's not. That's it's, fine. Save that for school. Yeah, they they didn't, they didn't intend it this way. It's just a story. Calm down, bro. You know, versus like people will read things and they'll, they'll read into it. Oh, well, this is what this means. And this is what that means. No, that's not what any of this means. This is just what happened. This is how it happened. Mm -hmm. This is what you need to know. This is what you, this is the information that you need to react in a certain way. What do you, what I, what do I need from you? Hey Matt, I need you to, um, I don't know, talk to our, to talk to our, um, um, our insurance company. We have a, a workers comp claim. Okay. Oh yeah. We had a guy that, you know, he chopped off his arm and, you know, what happened was he got his hand. In, oh, here's the perfect one. Hey, man, we had a guy uh, put his hand in the machine and, and now we have to do open, open the workers comp claim. Right. I was objective. Right. But now you're thinking, what? Like, what do you mean? He chopped his off his hand? Is he his fingers? Is he OK? Is he alive? Mm-hmm. Right. All even just with the little amount of information that I gave you and I gave you direction can have huge, huge ramifications. Right. You're going to go and call the insurance company. Oh, my God. We had a guy that we had a, a Pablo fatality. This guy lost his hand. Well, who said that? Well, Joe did. And then you guys come back. Well, what did Joe say? Joe said we had a workers' comp claim. Oh, what happened? He cut his finger. What? You said he had his hand in the machine. Yeah, he got his hand in the machine and he cut his finger. Well, why am I opening a workers' comp claim? Oh, well, it got infected. That's it? Right? Just the, the context alone and the lack of information can sometimes provide a lot of stress and a lot of reactions out of people. So sometimes it's learning the reader, like, hmm, maybe I should... Paint a, a more full story. Hey, Matt, um, we had an employee. He put his hand in the machine. He got it cut. He didn't take care of it. Three or four days later, it became infected. We're going to have to um, open workers. I mean, we probably wouldn't. We probably pay out of pocket. Um, we're going to have to open a workers comp claim for the the recordable that we got. He had to get, you know, an injection and this, this, this and that. Okay. Sounds good. Versus, hey, he got his hand in the machine. We're going to open a workers comp claim. I mean, that was probably a terrible terrible comparison but you can see the difference yeah you can see the difference reporting is very important writing into context i always tell people one thing i've learned and maybe this is something i'm um i'm learning more as i go along and i'm becoming more aware of the impact that it has is when you write a report it's history that makes sense Today, like as in it just happened, so it's I, in the past. I wrote a report two years ago that, does, really deep that, right now. that has impact. Does that make sense? I no longer work at this employer, but the report that I wrote has impact. They are going to go back at a five ten five three five ten 10-year, maybe not 10, but 3 or 5-year yeah. look back, and they're going to look at what I wrote. That's going to have impact. If I wrote terrible, they're going to get the wrong information. If I wrote it accurate, they're going to be able to use that. And, and move forward with it. What's the first thing that you do when you have an incident? You look back and say, had, have we had previous incidents? Right? You know, I guess, again, I'm learning more. Learning now the impact of why documentation is so important to have and make sure it's done mm-hmm. is because when we look back and we have good documentation, we have good reports with good information, I can use that and go, okay, this is what happened. I've been there in reports where I look back and I'm like, Oh, yeah, we had an incident in, let's say, 2015. What was it? I don't know. What do you mean? It was just, it was just a report. They didn't really tell, like, hey, what happened? What was the outcome? It didn't tell me anything. Somebody somewhere wrote a bad report, and now we, they have no actionable items that I can use. Like, oh, yeah, you know what? We had i we will had um, give you a perfect scenario. We had one incident that happened in 2015. It was a similar incident. The report said nothing. But because we had people that had tenure, we had one of my good friends remembered that incident and goes, "Oh yeah, this is the pro- the process that we built into into after that." Come to find out, we deviated from that standard, and nobody knew, because that report never really said, "Hey, this is what came of it." So we had a change of management, we had a change of almost almost an entire crew change within the safety department. We came in and we're like, "Oh, this is a process? Yeah, it was a, a complete different process. Oh. When did we when did that deviation change? Oh, I don't know. The manager he, he, we always, I always talk about putting it into cement. Never put it into cement. It was never turned into a policy where we could follow it. You know, we introduce him to the policy. Hey, this is the policy. It was just word of mouth. That report had it been completed, it would have said, hey, we have this, 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 this. This is what happened. This is how it's happened. And this is the outcome. This is what we decided we were gonna do from now on. When we looked at that, we could say, Oh, had I not had that employee with tenure, we would never have known that. Writing reports is a piece of history, and that history does have impact. I mean, obviously, if it's like thirty years, it's probably not gonna have any real impact, but within the next Even couple then, you of never years. Know. it could. I mean, you, it depending on, be, on what you the report never it could know. be an
1: exposure that's a long-term exposure that they were exposed to a carcinogen yeah, you, 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 that we didn't yeah. know about.
0: So again,
1: Mesothelioma.
0: Me, <laughs> no, it's the, the roundup, the paraquat oh, roundup. Round <laughs> yeah, DDT. Um, okay, so last one, right? Not going through these two tangents too long, but Auditing. So we talked about reports. We talked about code switching. Now let's talk about when we're looking at the data. We're looking at the numbers. What does that mean? How do I how do I present that? Right? How do I present that information? When I'm looking at trends and I see something that's popping up, even even three, five, right? I always do the one, three, five. What happened last year? What happened three years ago? And what happened five years ago? Because I have seen it where you know, companies pick up during certain times of the year, right? Oh, hey, what's our busy year or busy time of the season from July to like November? Guess what's going to happen? You're going to have an uptick in man hours. You're going to have an uptick in incidents. How do we, how do we prevent that? Right. What are the, what is the history telling me? What are the reports telling me? Oh, you know what? A lot of them had to do with fires. Well, why is that? Well, obviously you know, there's a lot less rain. We're dealing with a lot more welding. We're picking up in speed with man hours, so the exposures there is higher. So maybe if we start going into trying to prevent fires, we're gonna have a, a down a downturn, right? And of course, that saves money. Again, this put this is all resume stuff, guys. You can put this all into your resume. Hey. You know, when I was analyzing a trend, I saw that, you know, this was going to happen. I talked with the team. I informed everybody from obviously field level, supervision, management, that this is a trend that we're going to be expecting to come up with. We need to create a program, and we'll talk about that in the next couple of episodes, to intervene and prevent this this thing from happening, right? And then as history goes by, you can say, hey, look, you used to have, let's say, you know, 12 incidents in July. Of those uh, 12 incidents, three of them were fires. Now we had zero or fires, and we still had 12 incidents. Over the course, yes, we had the same amount of incidents, but we saved three from it being fires. I'm going to need you to go back and look at that data again and try to get that 12 a little lower, please. It's too high. Well, see, the 12 was, is it didn't have to do with fires. It had to do with something else.
1: Yeah, but it's still 12 incidents.
0: That's fine. <laughs> but it would have been 15. Let's been get it 15. down to 10. It would have been 15 <laughs> had we not intervened. So, again, it's really important just, again, to find those trends. And I always tell people they're, they're resume builders. I, I hear this too, too often with safety professionals. Well, why do not want to do that? Why? Because I don't get paid for it. That's not my job. Again, yes, your company that you work for now may not recognize that. They might not say, oh, yeah, well, you have that ability. And, yeah, we, we, we cherish that. And we, want, we see value in it. We'll pay you more. The next employer might. Next time you see, you know, uh, Indeed and, and Glass Ceiling and all these other other companies, they're looking for people like you. They're looking for people that want to get better at safety and are able to analyze trends and, and mitigate them and, uh, and feel pride in, in reducing injuries and illness, uh, incident and illness rates. You're saving the company money by not having to go and have to investigate these incidents and repair damage and cause accidents and workers comp and all this other stuff. It does have a... a um, bottom line to it so it is an important skill i would say you know all these three skills are definitely ones that are going to transition you from that that basic tech level to that mid-level like hey i'm able to communicate with my manager i'm able to communicate with the field level people or even out people outside again people outside of your your scope manage operations talking about hr customers all those types of people also being able to again with the code switching being able to send the reports, who am I sending this report to this person, this person, this person, who are these trends? How am I going to communicate this trend? I'm going to communicate with my manager one way. I'm gonna communicate with the field level guys another way, because if I tell my manager, Hey, we, we, I'm going to try to reduce our incidents by 70% in the next three months. That's awesome. Great. But if I tell that to my field level employees, they are like, what is that? What? Okay. It means nothing to them. Mm-hmm. So the way that you approach it is going to be or the way that you paint it, I should say, is going to be way different. Look at the trends. Understand the data. That's that's a I think that's another important skill that a lot of people lack too, as well. I've seen people look at data and they're like, I don't know what I'm looking at. Chart it. Excel. Maybe we should do an ex, uh, uh, an episode about Excel charting and how fun that can be. <laughs> My favorite one is uh, as you become higher and higher and more educated and and I don't mean just degrees, but with your with your job and your your abilities is the ability to learn how to lie openly how to make data look like it's not data conversation that is a, not yeah, that that's a, complete a conversation but yeah. it's one of my favorite conversations not that it's always good to
1: do but that it is possible it's learning well it's, no the data is the same not, it's just painting it in a different it's way it's not lying
0: <laughs> it's making the data look less bad
1: way. yeah yeah Or really good
0: or really good, yeah. You know, you always want to
1: show that. Hey, look, look, look at all, look what we did, Wow, Look at that. Not saying it's good. I'm just saying that it's possible and it can happen and it may happen. And yeah, it it's it's one of those
0: one of those skills that you. It's not lying. No, it's, it's just not making de- up It's data. deceitful. It's deceitful. It's always fun to be able to just be like, hey, I presented data that was bad, but it made it look good. I, I where they put putting uh, lipstick on a pig. Is that what they call it?
1: Yeah. Or it's even something like I've seen stuff where it's like, if you go back 18 months. It doesn't look too good. But if you go back 12 months, or if you or the opposite. If you go back 12 months, oh shoot, our numbers are kind of low here. Mm. But if you go back 18 months, it brings up our entire average. Yeah, like wow, look at that. Maybe we should go back 18 months. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it could be little stuff like that. It's not it's nothing crazy, but it isn't crazy. And then what we'll
0: do is we'll teach you not just the trick of how to do it, but how to spot when people are doing it. That's always a good that's, one too. That's, that's, when that's the it's where funny, the money's
1: at because then I'm like, "Oh, I know what this guy did." And
0: like I know sometimes I've 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 been a jerk before and obviously within context it wasn't within like C-suite executives, but like so do you think we're dumb, or do you think that we didn't see that you, for some reason, picked nine months instead of like a year? He's <laughs> like, well, what do you mean? Like, well, we we asked you for a year, but you put it in nine months. Well, that's because the other three months was all bad data. And we didn't want to show that. Well, yeah, I see that. So, um, we've been getting hit up a lot. We've been getting hit. Up, yeah, I pulled up uh, some emails where we, we were talking. go ahead, and right pull now. them up. Pull it up. How do you pull um, up? So we just,
1: we, I mean, we were getting a couple emails. So thank you guys for reaching out. Um. I don't know if this guy wants his name set or anything. No, I
0: would just keep him anonymous. Anonymous uh, 1254.
1: He was just trying to, he was just saying what he liked about the show. I I really appreciated it because he said that it's one of the things that I really wanted to make sure that we did was not come in here and just be technical for one hour about all of the anti regulations around fault protection.
0: Wow, you really just threw them on the bus, huh? And so, no, what do you mean? (laughs) The ASSP.
1: Man, they're boring. Oh, I, that,
0: I didn't. I, that's not what I meant at all. I I can't. Sorry, guys. I but, I mean, as much as I love
1: safety, like, dude, like, could you make it interesting at all? Like, I'm not saying we're the most interesting people in the world, but I did not want to come in here. I don't know if you knew this, but technical. I am the most
0: interesting man in the world. Are you? Do you drink dosikis? Yeah, Jiso
1: Dosekis. But anyways, he really appreciated that when he comes on, he can just listen. He doesn't always have to be thinking about every single thing that we're talking about and figuring out what we're talking about and the regulation we're referencing. So that, I thought that was cool. And then also he just um, was trying to say he was just saying he's trying to figure out kind of where he should take his career because he said right now his job doesn't allow him to go back to school. So um, he's he's he likes that we're kind of hitting on different subjects. I think we talked about this two episodes ago, how you can go. There's so many ways that you can take. yeah a Safety. Like I put air quotation. Wow. He really did career. the air quotes guys. um So that's
0: pretty cool. And well, then, no, yeah, 100%. You got some too? Yeah, I had one. He he came in. And he he um kind of gave us a little like topic. He's like, "Hey, how about doing one about different safety management systems?" I was like, "You know what? That's actually um a great one. Maybe we'll do some homework and we'll we'll we pick some like up like and
1: ISO like fourteen thousand and one. We can do ANSI um, Z ten, ANSI Z ten. There's uh, a couple. of there, total,
0: yeah. It was a total health and safety management something like that. There's it's some T- really big ones. TICM or something like that. Yeah. There's a bunch. So maybe maybe we will do that. Maybe we'll do that, especially because we're transitioning into that again, that advisor level, which which kind of ties in, you know, we kind of do the CSP, BCSP kind of thing, where you know some high level stuff is always put into the low levels, and low levels high, kind of in the high level stuff. Where we can talk about that, you know, as a as a safety advisor, you may be the manager. How do you select which one you want to deal with, and and what context do you think will work for you, and all that kind of stuff. So you know, look out for that. I think we will, I, for for sure, in the next couple of episodes, we'll do one that has to do with uh, safety management systems and stuff like that he's also studying for the CSP. So we're just, this, you know, we have those a lot. You CSP, ASP, CHSTs. Um, somebody hit me up the other day um, about a job interview. And I said, look, man, you got this. We, we believe in you, you know, just look at, look at the, um, you know, study their, their website, try to figure out what it is that you're about and how you will align your, your values to them and how you can serve them and stuff like that. So, we've had a lot of a lot of interaction in the past couple couple of weeks which is really nice we really appreciate you guys you know reaching out to us kind of feels like we're not talking you know just me and matt in this office um and sometimes we have a guest but you know sometimes it's just like oh you know it's just me and matt talking to each other and we like i like to do it especially reach out to you guys that's why i'm always on you know i'm always on reddit i am that's like my big thing i i, I just i got in there and i just love it i love talking to people like that cuz it's like one on one and I can kind of like interact with people differently versus like, and I'll be honest with that. I'm sure everybody's like, Oh, your Instagram sucks. Well, yeah. Cause I, it's like, I'm talking to nobody, you know, it's, it's, I don't have an audience. <laughs> so I feel like I'm just like, I, I struggle with that. It's a, another weakness of mine. Cause if I don't feel like nobody's listening, then, then I'm not like, what am I talking to? I'm talking to nobody, but I, I know people do hit people up on Instagram and all that stuff. I'm just, uh, I just don't do that kind of stuff. So keep sending us email guys, hit us up on Instagram. Um, the culture of safety at gmail.com Um, The popular safety guys, again, I'm the popular safety guys. uh, They're on Reddit. You know, if you guys go to workplace safety or safety professionals, there's a bunch of them in there. You're, you're bound to see me, you know, let us know what you guys think. Talk to us. If you have questions, always email Reddit. Uh, I always, you know, I kind of lean more towards the Reddit because you're going to get a bunch of different opinions, not just ours. So yeah, let us know guys. All right. Thank you everybody for listening. Yeah. Have a good one.